Hello, hello. I am Mayor Watt. This is the Hometown Daily News Show for Friday the 13th. It's Friday the 13th, January 13th, 2023. It's 9 p.m. Eastern. Want to get into the show? Let's get into the show. We'll do the title after. Hello, hello. I am Mayor Watt. This is the Hometown Daily News Show, and the booming voice from on high is the AI that runs Hometown. Good evening, Hometown citizens. So we've been working on the voice synthesis for the AI that is from on high and runs Hometown. And um, for our show, we've reduced the number of speakers down to just one instead of the booming voice the hourly dong. Um, today's episode is titled Swiss company has pulled Fortnite players out of the atmosphere and stored them underground. But the, the title is really just stopping after atmosphere. Anyway, it's ODNS uh, season two, episode 13. Let's go to the first article. Uh, today's first article is in the hatch ideas channel. Lithium company, uh, Ioneer scores a $700 million conditional loan from Energy Department for a Nevada plant. The announcement comes as the U.S. races to develop domestic supply chains for materials critical to the energy transition. So for about um, 15 years, I've been suggesting that we pull this all back uh, to some degree. And uh, lo and behold, it starts happening within the last four years. Uh, More and more stuff is returning. Strife with China causing companies to pull back. Strife with Russia invading Ukraine causing things to get pulled back. Uh, Conflict zones that actually have a lot of uh, Chinese investment um, for those raw materials. I'm actually looking. um, It says that the stream is unstable, but maybe it's just me. (laughs) Anyway, um, So Pippa Stevens is the author of this over at CNBC.com. And it says here, lithium company Ioneer said Friday that it has secured a conditional commitment for a loan up to $700 million from the DOE here in the United States. Um, The company is developing a lithium site in Nevada that when fully operational will supply 400,000 electric vehicles per year. The cost of this is going to be ginormous based on what I've seen um, videos and and whatnot from other locations. Um, So I don't know how this is going to be cost effective, but I guess we'll see. 400,000 vehicles a year is um, one third, I think, of Tesla's deliveries uh, last year, I think it was. And the loan is conditional and requires that Ioneer secure the necessary permits, among other things. Yeah, that environmental impact survey is going to be hell. So um, Ioneer is developing the Rhyolite Ridge Lithium Boron Project in Esmeralda County, Nevada. When fully operational, the site will produce enough lithium for 400,000 electric vehicles. 
the plant isn't operational yet, but Ioneer has already secured uh, offtake agreements with Ford and Toyota. Some experts believe there simply won't be enough lithium to meet demand boom fueled by electric vehicles, meaning automakers are increasingly encountering or entering agreements with upstream players to secure supplies. Um, and it's a joint venture with miner uh, Sabine Stillwater, which owns 50% of the project after investing $490 million in September of 2021. So we have domestic supplies of lithium. Um, my, my argument with all of this has always been, if you are buying from somewhere else and your currency is valued in that other place, then you're spending some money and you're getting something leaving in ground untouched the raw materials for when the fit hits the shan. So it becomes our strategic reserve, much like the oil that is in ground. If we keep buying it from other places, we don't use ours. Now, the next thing comes with the societal issue that we're getting it at deep, deep, deep discount because there are people that are uh, basically, uh, for, for lack of a better term, slaves to whoever it is that's providing, you know, a buck a year kind of a thing. Um, and they're manual laborers uh, digging in mines that shouldn't be dug by hand, horrible to people's health. So Ioneer is a company from Australia, but they do have like a U.S. subsidiary. Gotcha. Thank you very much. So uh, the permitting process for new lithium mines is extensive. Ioneer's loan from the DOE hinges on several conditions, including the company receives all of the necessary permits. And the company said in December that it's in the final stage of federal permitting process. The Center for Biological Diversity has come out against the project, saying it poses an existential threat to a rare wildflower. Hey, no. <laughs> it's only existential when you're talking about wildflowers. Yeah, that dead air is <sighs> just astonishment, really. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. Um, in the day and age, 21st century, um, let's find another location for this rare wildflower that isn't this particular mine, um, mining operation, existential threat, you know, do genetics on it and, and figure out, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I become kind of apoplectic when I get to processing this, that, the future, the potential future source of raw materials domestically that's conflict free is going to be hindered by an existential threat to a rare wildflower. And just so everybody knows, this is by far not the only time that I've ever heard of something like this or the last time that I'll hear about something like this. I've heard about water supplies, certain water supplies, it, uh, it being an issue. I've heard of little marsupials that are um, sitting in a berm somewhere, and there's been one of them found in a uh, hundred years, and suddenly one pops up and the whole world stops spinning. Now, I appreciate, 
uh, all life, plant and animal, flora and fauna. But when the alternative is a, a whole swath of society in other countries being harmed, literally, I mean, it, it really is harming people. While others are being turned into billionaires, there are other people that are dying in these mines or dying uh, out of the mines after they've been contaminated by something. Um, not to mention all of the other ecological disasters that aren't being monitored in other places just so that we can get things like lithium plus the conflict site, the, the zones, the areas where this is all coming from is, is a hot mess. So um, let's, let's bring it back and augment our external purchases with a domestic purchase and processing. So when, like I said earlier, the fit hits the shan, we keep on moving. So um, let me take the time now to um, throw this first URL into um, the chat. And I'm going to move on to the next article because I've already kind of soapboxed quite a bit for this one. But um, I hope to see you. If you hear this in the podcast uh, or over on YouTube, come over to the stream every day, 9 p.m. Eastern, just like we are right now. And um, tonight I'm hoping that I'm going to get some uh, uh, VR stuff going too. So after the stream, um, I'll fire it back up um, relatively shortly after, and then I'll stay up and, and do some streaming. Another test of the VR across uh, Ometown. So the next article here is in the Warcrafters channel. Uh, Fortnite disables hurtling after it keeps hurtling players into the stratosphere. It actually says launching in the title, but I couldn't, I couldn't stop myself. Um, let let me throw this into the chat. I didn't do it yet. Um, this article is in the Warcrafters channel, and um, when you go over to the source, it's a PC gamer and Molly Taylor is the author. Did I say who the author was of that last article, by the way? Pippa Stevens. It's a great name. Pippa. Um, so the, the uh, Fortnite article is written by Molly Taylor over at PCGamer.com. And apparently what's been going on is, um, well, here I'll just, their writing is actually pretty spectacular. Chapter four, season one's launch has been full of hurdles of its own. Oh, Molly. It's punitentiary time for you. So it's thanks to hurdling, um, which is supposed to allow players to gently vault over fences and other low objects. You don't have that kind of problem, do you? Because you're an AI, no arms, no legs. That's right. There is no hurdling involved. Um, the move, the, the movement had already been disabled back in December, thanks to a bug returning earlier in the week. Sadly, it's not been fixed as videos have been cropping up on Reddit and other places, um, showing the game launching players a little further than intended. Hence the title of the show. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Did you find out anything? No, other than there seems to be a lot of discussion about this issue. Yeah, so, um, and I went looking, 
I think that it's an extremely popular game, but I think that it's no longer in vogue for awards and whatnot. Um, but as long as it has engagement and people dig it, I think they now make it even an option where you don't have building options. It's basically just a battle royale. Um, and they did that a, a little while ago. So it says, so perhaps in the meantime, a lack of hurdle may be a good thing. Nobody seems to be particularly sad about it. Uh, it's second removal. Instead, most frustration pointed toward what feels like rushed season launch. Epic took the game down for an unscheduled maintenance earlier in the week in an attempt to plug an ever-increasing number of bugs pervading the system. From a game-breaking bug with the popular shockwave hammer weapon to widespread login issues, it's been one of Fortnite's rockiest season launches to date. Yeah, I... For some reason, I feel like it's actually kind of waning, but I haven't looked at the metrics. It's just I don't hear about it as much as I used to. Um, okay, so I did find that um, according to their own figures, or excuse me, to something like player counter, between 2.9 and 4 million concurrent players at any one time. And that's as of 2023. Yeah, so it's pretty popular. Um, let's uh, let's go on to the next article. Um, this is in the word in tech. A Swiss company has said that it's pulled CO2 out of the atmosphere and stored it underground along with Fortnite players, apparently. Maybe not underground. I mean, they need to store the Fortnite players underground so they don't form up to their death. But the velocity, they would smash into the ceiling... Maybe underground Fortnite might be a thing. Hmm. I guess it would be cave night. I don't know. Microsoft Stripe, Spotify, Spotify, Shopify. Sorry, my bad. Um, are officially the first companies in the world to pay to filter their carbon dioxide emissions out of the air. Well, and people in my office when I'm nonstop talking, they also pay for my emissions into the atmosphere. Uh, store those emissions underground and have that service verified by a third party. So, you know, lead certification, like environmental awareness and stuff for your company just got a whole lot weirder because now you have to get your carbon dioxide emissions scrubbed from the air, stored underground and verified by a third party. I wonder if somebody's going to have to sniff problems out. Climate tech company Climeworks announced yesterday that it had completed the service and its third-party verification of the carbon removal marks a first test for that emerging industry. Well, kudos. Um, you know, we, we can pull that carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere and it won't contribute to greenhouse gases. Uh, well, the uh, article is over at The Verge. Justin, Justin, Justine, Colma. It's Justine Calma. Uh, Climework says uh, a third party a third party auditor has verified its carbon removal for Microsoft Stripe and Shopify. Well, good for them. I guess these are the scrubbers. Well, let's find out. Come on, you're an AI. You're supposed to be scrubbing all of this too. 
Um, let's see. To date, there are far from enough direct air capture plants online uh, to meet Microsoft's goal. Orca alone has the capacity to capture just 4,000 tons annually. All of the world's operational DAC plants combined can capture 0.01 million mi uh, metric tons of CO2 a year. Much larger facilities are currently under construction. So let's see, about 18% of the total emissions of fiscal year 2021 Microsoft um, has pledged to eventually draw down all of its historic emissions, and the company has contracts to remove 2.5 million. Uh, I think we're going to need a bigger boat. A single ton of carbon removed by Climeworks costs around $600 for a company like Microsoft, Climeworks told The Verge when Orca launched back in 2021, and it declined to share any updated figures when they were interviewed by Molly here. Um, and uh, at the end of this article, it says it's no big surprise that tech companies have been pioneering customers for Climeworks. Gonsalves tells The Verge, quote, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. The first one being obviously the affinity to find tech as the solution to issues, she says. Second being the open-mindedness to new things. Well, yeah, and plus it's, um, probably going to be a write-off somewhere. <laughs> um, not to mention the good message. Yeah, I was thinking it might be nice to tell the stakeholders or the shareholders uh, they're taking all these steps. Yep, and talk to the government about it and try and get tax breaks and whatnot. So yeah, this it, it just plays into um, uh, keeping some piece of their soul. So the next article is over in the Stock Marketeers channel. YouTube is testing free ad-supported streaming channels, according to a report. Um, YouTube, this is the little snippet that gets uh, aggregated by a gatherer. Um, YouTube is testing a new hub of free ad-supported streaming channels, putting the platform on a competitive collision course with Roku, Pluto TV, and Tubi. Um, Roku is probably the only one that I actually have direct um, experience with, but I've seen and heard about Pluto TV and Tubi. So this is an article over at marketwatch.com by John Swartz. And yeah, so it's testing the concept with uh, select media partners. YouTube is testing a new hub of free ad supported streaming channels, putting it on but I thought everything that comes out of YouTube is ad supported until you pay for YouTube premium. Um, right. So why is that anything different than what they currently offer? I think maybe the ads are actually embedded into the channels um, and not part. It's like conventional television. Um, but it says we're looking at new ways to provide viewers a central destination uh, to more easily find, watch, and share the content that matters uh, most to them, a YouTube spokesperson said, which doesn't really speak to me in any way. Um, YouTube hauled in $7.1 in advertising revenue in its fiscal third quarter. Third quarter. 13% of Google's total ad sales, but it was the first decline since Alphabet started reporting the video unit's financial performance in 2020. Yeah, that is a 
ton of money. Literally, I think if you put it all together, it's several tons of money. I mean, there's a, a approximately $300 billion in ad revenue per year in the U.S. That was a couple of years ago. So that is a lot if all of that is on YouTube. Wow. Yeah. So, and arguably, I mean, they are the biggest dog on, on the block, you know. So, um, I guess, cool. <laughs> um, let's move on to the next article. Uh, this next article is Mars is rich in extraterrestrial gems that could point to alien life, according to NASA. Um, NASA Curio- NASA's Curiosity rover has discovered a wealth of opals on Mars that, and all they do is they chatter and they surf the web and they tweet a lot and, and, but they're always talking and having a good time and, and, uh, drinking Pepsi, those opals. Anyway, um, rewind. So NASA's curiosity Rover has discovered a, a wealth of opals on Mars that could help resolve the question of whether life has ever existed on the red planet and provide water for any uh, future human missions to the Martian surface, uh, according to a recent study. Opals are prized as gemstones because the uh, they display shimmering colors that often look like iridescent rainbows in the gems form when silicon dioxides get sloshed around in wet environments and then harden to are in fissures between rocks. Opals can have up to, say, 21% water by weight. Embedded in them? That's interesting. Yes, because they're a hydrated amorphous form of silica. Well, Becky Ferreira put this article together um, and it says water rich opals discovered on the surface of Mars could help resolve the question of whether life has ever existed on the red planet. So are they water rich currently? I guess, you know, going to have to take a, a high grow sample of it and, and uh, test it, right? Okay, that'll be, probably be one of the next experiments that they do. So this process transforms opals into miniature oases um, that can contain as much as 20% liquid water. Look at that. It says it right there in the article too. And they didn't have to have a whole AI. Well, maybe an AI wrote this and it was augmented by the author. I don't know. Um, I'm just asking questions, right? Just kidding. Um, so the water, water rich, uh, subsurface network that produced the opal deposits was shielded from modern harsh surface conditions, allowing for a potentially habitable environment on Mars in a more recent era, Gabriel and his colleagues, uh, said in the study, these light toned features are also ideal for follow-up investigation or sample return as similar opal-rich deposits on Earth are known to preserve traces of microbial life. This is getting richer and richer. Let's see. I don't want to create another bad, bad experience. Oh, yeah. God. Have to slap the bad opal out of somebody's mouth. Stop eating things, people. Let's go on to the next article. Um... The next article is in the Hatch Ideas channel, how the 
last artificial flower factory in New York City survived a century. By the way, I want you all to know that it was very difficult to say that flower. Artificial flower factory in New York is actually pretty tough for me to say, apparently. M&S Schmalberg has been handcrafting custom fabric flowers in Manhattan since 1916. Its flowers have been worn by celebrities like Beyonce, uh, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Rihanna. But since the 1950s, competition from overseas manufacturers have made it difficult for them to stay afloat, which is a real bummer uh, because, well, you know, cost of living in one place is not the same as the other, environmental oversight, uh, OSHA regulations and safety, uh, workplace monitoring, etc. Uh, there's so countless many things that keep workers safe and keep um, the... Well, there's a plethora of uh, reasons why or w things that we could talk about. Uh, but suffice it to say that if somebody gets hurt on the job here in this New York City flower fa artificial flower factory, well, it'll go swimmingly better. Um, so uh, Nikita Grant, Elizabeth McCauley, and Reem McCall are the authors of this over at businessinsider.com. And there's a little video playing that kind of shows uh, how it's made, uh, but I don't really play all of these videos. It's a 13 minute video, um, but they're all made by hand, it seems, with some uh, augmentation uh, by um, some, some little bits of tech. I think it's really cool that this place is still cooking and um, I hope it continues. I wonder when they first needed artificial flowers, um, like if it was because of difficulty in keeping real flowers fresh or something. This article is actually more of nothing more than a video. So I'm going to encourage anybody who sees this to look at the show notes. Um, I'm trying to figure out an, a, an easier way or a nice way of fixing the links that are in all of the URL issue related issues over on YouTube because they truncate the URL and it's hard to see the full context of it. You have to actually mouse over it and see what the URL actually is after they do some crypto stuff. Um, it's basically tracking links anyway. Um, yeah, you'll have to come and watch this video over at businessinsider.com because it doesn't stay, it doesn't even exist on Omtown. Um, we take a little snippet using Gatherer um, and, and it's provided by the sites. And so we have this little text and no image. And then we kind of push everybody over to the actual site to read more. But here in the stream and on the channel, uh, within Omtown, you can actually comment and, and make your observations. Um, there's not much of that going on in Omtown, um, um, but I can tell you that um, there are uh, some people that are still, it's mostly for news aggregation by the people that are interested in this stuff. Um, okay, so let's just go on to the next article. And um, the next article is in the Warcrafters channel. Uh, NVIDIA's latest AI lets you maintain uncanny valley levels of eye contact on camera. Um, the, um, pardon me, the, the nuts and bolts of this is that AI is uh, basically keeping your eyes facing the camera. Um, 
and it's it's a little uh, I don't know creepy. So you become the Mona Lisa, <laughs> always watching, or the one from uh, uh, Monsters Inc., always watching. So this is over at PCGamer.com and written by Jacob Ridley. Try not to creep out your coworkers too much with this gaze augmenting AI tool out now. I'm probably going to use it in my next meeting. Pardon me. Um, my next meeting um, here in hometown and give it a shot. There's a video. Um, and I'm not sure if the video will actually show it on and off like RTX on and RTX off. Uh, but it's a nifty trick getting an AI to mimic a human retina and one that makes appearing attentive in boring meetings or reading a scripted piece to camera a whole lot easier. Um, let me see if I can run the video real quick and see if it does it. Yeah, he, he it doesn't seem to actually do it, right? No, it just looks like a regular um, video unless he's not actually moving his eyes. Yeah, because uh, I'm not playing the audio. I, I, unfortunately, if you're not in the stream, if you're not here uh, at, at twitch.tv slash hometown, you're not actually, you're hearing some dead air mostly. Um, but it apparently, the author says that they've been trying to figure out uh, to see just how well an AI mimics a human eyeball and they've got it to say that it's doing a frighteningly good job. So based on what we are seeing, both the AI that runs Omtown and Marwat, um, and that's all who's here right now, um, it looks like he looks away at times, um, but is more attentive, right? He could be looking down, he could be looking somewhere else. His face is facing the camera though, so it's really hard. Well, and his face is moving, and so is his body. So I can't imagine the AI does all of that um, first, just moving the eye around. Well, um, it's a, a program from NVIDIA called Eye Contact, and it's now available with NVIDIA Broadcast app. It's also kind of creepy, according to the author. So um, I will probably get this and try it out. Um, yeah, maybe my streaming system can handle it, but we'll see. Let's let's go on to the next article. It's pretty fascinating where where we're going to end up. Um, <laughs> the future is going to be very interesting for later generations. Uh, like Reality Hacker's message, uh, you won't know what to trust. Um, it's getting even deeper, so... This next article, though, is in the Mobile Channel. The U.S. can't make enough plutonium triggers for its nuclear warheads. Kind of hate that when that happens. American power relies on the constant threat of nuclear annihilation, which is kind of a sad statement to make here in hometown. One of the reasons the U.S. military is so powerful is that the country is sitting on more than 5,000 potential world-ending nuclear weapons. Yeah, you fire one and everybody else will fire theirs. Uh, but those nukes are aging and America hasn't been building more. The Pentagon's goal is to spin up production and make 80 plutonium pits, the trigger mechanisms for nukes, uh, a year by 2030. 
A new report from the federal investigators said that's a pipe dream. A nuclear pit is a hollow ball of plutonium. On a basic level, nuclear uh, weapons work by surrounding one of these balls with high explosives, and then when the uh, explosive goes off, it uh, basically compresses it down until it fizz it splits, and then you have a bomb um, or fuses. It depends on the construction of the device. Um, so let's go over to um, Vice, which is um, where this article was sourced from. Matthew Galt is the author, and uh, this actually this thing here is actually which if you're on the podcast, you don't hear about, you don't see what I'm talking about, but this is actually called uh, the devil's core. Um, it led to the death of a couple of people irradiating them because they did something um, to damage the core or they dropped it. I can't remember the exact um, context anymore, um, but it basically killed people. Um, and the article has that picture of it from Los Alamos national lab. Um, Let's see here. So there's actually a movie about a high school student that builds um, a nuclear bomb. Sorry for the dinner. also called a demon core. Oh, demon core. That's what it's called. And, Sorry. Uh, apparently there were two accidents at Los Alamos. Um, but I don't know if that's why the name was uh, attributed to it. Yeah, because it, it basically was, there was a, a problem with it. Um, and the movie that I'm talking about is a 1986 uh, film called The Manhattan Project, um, where a, a, a kid basically built a nuclear bomb because he was curious about what his mom's new boyfriend was up to. Um, and there were really weird anomalies around the building and, um, he ended up stealing the, um, material, the, but it was like supercharged nuclear material, quite fascinating. Um, well, anyway, America's nuclear infrastructure is crumbling. Isn't uh, this isn't shocking. The, um, NNSA warned Congress in 2022 that the official plan to meet a deadline of 80 pits produced per year wasn't going to happen. According to the GAO, the NNSA doesn't even know how much it'll cost to create infrastructure to build these pits, what resources it will need, or how long the project will take. So I'm not quite sure how you can actually take a warning that it wasn't going to happen if nobody knows anything about anything anywhere at any time. This is like the inverse of everything everywhere all at once. Right. This is nothing, none of the time, nowhere. Ever. <laughs> so right. there's a whole lot more. Um, and it says here there's a renewed nuclear arms race, uh, arms race with uh, China and Russia. Moscow has repeatedly made nuclear threats since its invasion of Ukraine. And Putin is uh, going off the deep end. Um, at least in my estimation. And China, which once had a relatively low amount of nuclear weapons for a global superpower, has been building more. So once the cat's out of the bag, you just can't stuff it back in there. It's just not possible because one person's freedom fighter is another person's terrorist. 
you try and stop some other country and they'll sit there and say, you're being hypocritical because you've got 5,000 and you're not allowing us to build up to 5,000 too. And it, we're going to end up with the whole dynamic of Dune where everybody is uh, beyond arm's reach because they have secret nuclear weapons stored in various places ready to destroy the entire universe. So did you notice that they were using floppy disks uh, just like Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, so it says the U.S. command and control computers were still using large floppy disks as recently as 2019, and airmen watching over Minutemen nuclear missiles admitted, admitted to dropping acid while on the job in 2015 and 2016. Just brings me back to that psych experiment where they're just like mashing the button because they're bored out of their mind. So why not drop acid in a nuclear missile silo? Turn the key, sir. Turn the key. That's from the beginning of war games. Next article is in the Daily News show, Clouded Leopard Missing from Dallas Zoo. So if you see a big cat and it's kind of cloudy, um, don't pet it. It is not a regular cat. We'll just go straight over to it. So this is... Bring it home as a pet. Yeah, so I had a conversation with someone today who said that they had just gotten a new um, dog. And um, it every time I hear about that, and I, I say, well, where did you get it? And they said, well, I got it off the side of the road. And I said, that's not a dog, that's a wolf. If they come into Omtown next week and they're missing a hand, then I know that I was right. So the Dallas Zoo's missing clouded leopard found after a fence intentionally cut. The zoo issued a code blue when the animal was discovered missing. This is the same article, by the way, that earlier in the day said that the Dallas Zoo's uh, lost a clouded leopard. Mark Osborne and Meredith Deliso are the authors of this. It doesn't show that it was edited, though, uh, which is kind of odd. Um, by the way... Uh, this person here, I'm not sure who it is. Uh, it looks like it's Prince Harry in his own words. Uh, he's looking at this article title too, wondering why it doesn't reflect that it's been edited post-publication. Um, but there isn't much to worry about. They have since found it. Hey, why are you even on this article, Prince Harry? Shouldn't you be... Well, never mind. So Dallas Zoo earlier Friday had issued a code blue for a non-dangerous animal outside of its habitat. It's a non-dangerous animal. That would be if a hedgehog went missing, but it's a leopard. It's a leopard. One of our clouded leopards was not in its habitat when the team arrived this morning and is unaccounted for at this time. It, the clouded leopard has gone AWOL. Um, it was their belief, and it is the, uh, our belief, not ours, but it's the article's belief, that this was an intentional act, Mitchell told reporters during a Friday press briefing. And so we have started a criminal investigation. Aw, sorry. Uh, you and the podcast will not be able to see this clouded leopard named Nova resting on a tree limb in an enclosure at the Dallas Zoo. Nova went missing on Friday. And the zoo was shut down as a result and subsequently apparently returned. Luna, Nova's sister, was still in the enclosure when zookeepers 
arrived Friday morning. Um, I want one. Yeah. But wild animals need to remain wild. So don't pet wild animals. It's kind of the same thing with cybersecurity. Click with care. This is the, don't even click. Just don't touch. Stay away. Give them the respect a wild animal deserves. We'll go on to the next article. Um, this uh, next article, it's um, the, what is the penultimate it's the one before the ultimate, right? So this is in the word and tech dungeons and dragons finally addresses its new open gaming license. And this has kind of been a hot mess over the last week. Um, wizards of the coast or, uh, colloquially, I can't say that word anymore. I don't know. Maybe my dentures are about to fall out. I don't have dentures though. Anyway, Watsy, as it's known, um, issued a statement addressing outrage from the uh, tabletop gaming community in regard to the company's upcoming uh, open gaming license update. So there was a one version and then a 1.1 version, and now there's a two that's uh, incoming. And they're saying that the previous one, the one that everybody's uh, upset about, was a leaked draft of the new license that applied greater restrictions was badly received by fans of the franchise, resulting in a call from some community members to boycott the Hasbro owned gaming company. I think it's basically just a way to juice as much from the content creators post people purchasing the item from the producer of the work. It is akin to perpetually charging somebody to drive the car because you go to work in the vehicle named Ford and Ford starts charging you because you make $250,000 a year. They want 1% or 10% or seven or 20. It doesn't matter what it is. If I purchase something from you, kiss my shiny metal ass, I should be able to use it for whatever purpose I'm using it for. As long as I disclose that it is from this company or that company, I'm producing a work based off of my creative efforts. Even if I'm using their product, their quest, their adventure, their whatever, I'm still the one that's doing it. I'm the one that's rolling the dice. I'm the one that's eating trail mix for a three day weekend and being uh, looked at side eye by my spouse because I haven't taken a shower and there's six other people at the table saying, no, we're not leaving until this adventure is over and we're recording it and streaming it and everybody's having fun. Why pee on my Cheerios, D&D? Why pee on my Cheerios, Wizards of the Coast? And Cheerios, for what it's worth, I'm just using you as an example. I would never let someone pee on my Cheerios. Jess Weatherbed is the author of this over at TheVerge.com, just to get that out of the way. Do you say, do you have any opinion on this? Um, I'm wondering if it's like the the other license issue that just got a lot of attention, but maybe it's a different issue. 
Um, From this? No. Oh, the um, the video editing software. Yes. Yeah, no, both of these are money grabs. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's the same thing. They see an audience, a consumer base that's making money, that's using this. The open gaming license wasn't as strict as before, but now it's just like the like ATMs, right? ATMs used to be completely free. And now when you go to one, it could charge you to do a withdrawal because now they see, oh, we can squeeze that orange and get more juice. If they would have had this D-bag of a OGL, this version 2 or whatever, 1.1 or whatever it is that's coming out, this modified version, and then the context in that contract, right? If it existed at the original, they would still be in a downward trend, but they allowed more and more people to embrace it. And then um, different versions of D&D popped up from earlier iterations of it, right? D&D 5 is the latest, um, but previous editions have branched off into their own. And then they come out with this because they see somebody with making money off of their character development, their production value. Um, there are a bunch of people that are playing live plays that are making millions of dollars a year and wizards of the coast and D and D and Hasbro owned gaming or Hasbro gaming. Um, sit there and say, Oh, well, there's, there's some money to be made. Let, let me go and pinch them. I mean, isn't that kind of contrary to the intent of the community? Because aren't they essentially, whether they're trying to or not, aren't they marketing yeah. the very game by allowing all of that? Yeah. But 20 years ago, if, if this license was in place, they wouldn't exist to the level that they do now. It is because the community has been streaming live plays and doing podcasts and talking about it, hyping it up, et cetera, et cetera, embracing the new digital platforms and so on. Charge your fees for the digital platform. People are even saying drop out of D&D Beyond, which is the online version of all of the resource materials, but you have to buy it there too. It's not all free. Um, as far as I recall anyway, so they're trying to walk it back or, or somehow buy back their soul. But the nuts and bolts of it is, it says um, it also required anyone making $750,000 or more for content using the license to pay 25% in royalties to Watsi. But the only thing that's going on are people are taking the, the raw material, basically the skeleton of the gaming platform. Again, it would be like Hasbro or whoever, whatever subordinate unit that controls Monopoly, right? And I want to stream Monopoly games. And because I go viral and I start making $750,000 a year, I can no longer use Monopoly without paying a license fee of 25%, even though it's my camera, my table, my players, my uh, uh, camaraderie, our humor, our production value, all me, 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 me. The only difference is that I'm using 
a monopoly board. So, and you're probably bringing in more than that amount in revenue for the company because you're showing that it's fun or popular. Exactly. That there's something there. So it's really infuriating because I grew up with D&D. I cannot count how many games of D&D that I have played. I, I still to this day create characters with the framework of a D&D-esque kind of uh, role-playing game. I don't actually use D&D anymore only because, well, <laughs> this. Um, but it's, it's frustrating. And um, so competitors are going to come out of the woodwork and, and start hyping it up. And I really think that's what needs to take place. And just to drive home the point, I'm glad that the article mentioned it because um, we try. I, I add my own context to things, but um, I'm glad that the article is including them. Some companies that previously made use of the original OGL license, including Paizo, um, which... Um, well, uh, Paizo, MCDM, and Cobalt Press have since announced that they'll be ditching the license altogether in favor of creating their own role-playing systems. Um, and that's what I say about all of this. If you have to rely on somebody else for whatever revenue is keeping you afloat and they decide to pull their rights from you, you are screwed dead in the water. And if you don't have already some massive following like here on Twitch or over on YouTube, I'm just starting out. I haven't gone viral. I, you know, we are now uh, you as co-host, um, the AI from on high, um, you and I, if any platform decides to deplatform me because I say something snarky about D and D and Watsy and Hasbro, I'm done. Right. I'd have to host it myself. Um, and the marketing would be, you know, very expensive and the infrastructure would be even more expensive. I mean, I'm not, uh, it, it's not beyond my means, but it would not be as simple as just turning on my camera and away we go. So to me, I'm, um, it, it's infuriating me. So let me uh, back up one little bit here and throw this into the chat. And we'll do the last article for today. Um, this one is probably the icing on the cake. It's number 11. Um, so to turn it up to 11, we uh, grabbed this. This is in the Law Nerd channel. 10th Circuit reminds cops it's unconstitutional, unconstitutional to pull people over to flirt with them. And it says, um, nothing like an admirer with a badge and a gun. Usually it's just a gun that pulls me over. So the article is over at Above the Law. I'm sorry, go ahead. I just get pulled over for speeding. Yeah, I won't, I won't say anything about me. Um, so this is an article that was written by Tech dirt is what it says. So I don't know if there's something more here, but it's at the abovethelaw.com website. Um, I want to give a named credit, but it doesn't seem to be here. And um, it was actually sourced from another location called Short Circuit. 
Um, law enforcement officers have been disturbingly have a disturbing propensity for abusing their power. I think anybody has the potential of abusing their power when they don't have oversight, which you don't have in companies, but you do in government. So for the most part, government really doesn't care about most people until they're threatening the status quo of society as a whole um, or hiding documents in their golf course and maybe next to their Corvette locked in a garage Corvette. Either way, classified documents shouldn't be rolling around anywhere. Don't abuse your power. Anyway, um, so, and far too many abuse this power to engage in things entirely unrelated to police work, like browsing databases for information about members of the opposite sex. By the way, FBI have done that. CIA have done that. Many, many people have done that. Police have done that. Hospital uh, employees have done that all kinds of times. Um, we hear reports about it again and again um, over the last decade as more and more stuff goes electronic. People in power without being audited abuse it, typically. So, or I should say, not typically, you know, but quite often enough that it's a thing. Well, when someone with a lot of power expresses an unprofessional interest in someone, the power imbalance makes it extremely difficult for the targeted person to resist these advances. That is the power imbalance even between employer and employee. This is the issue of the 10th Circuit Appeals Court recently wrestled with, the constitutional contours of a case where the pursuer was a law enforcement officer and the pursued acted as liaison for towing companies providing services to the Utah Highway Patrol. Yeah, so I just envision, you know, uh, a cop rolling up on somebody and getting out and fixing their hat and walking up. Excuse me, ma'am. Do you know how hot you are? Uh, excuse me, officer, what? Uh, nothing, nothing. Um, I'm going to need your uh, driver's license and registration so that I know exactly where to pick you up for dinner tonight. Excuse me, officer? Uh, nothing. I'm going to need your uh, driver's license and uh, registration. Heather Leva and the patrolman interacted frequently. Leva worked for the West Coast Towing. Uh, one of three companies in the Highway Patrol's heavy-duty towing rotation. <laughs> in this context, it sounds really funny, you know. Uh, Leva was a contact for the towing company, and Patrolman Robbins managed the towing rotation. As the court notes, the re relationship eventually evolved from a professional one to a personal one, something that Marowat is very against. Um, as was once said to me a long, long time ago, don't dip your pen in the company ink. Uh, but it appears the patrolman thought that there was a whole lot more going on than just the towing rotation. Uh, what he saw as reciprocation was actually Leva trying to preserve the professional relationship that made money for the towing company she worked for. Bam, friend zoned, walk away. Anyway, Cop went all stalkerish, according to the article. Defendant asked where and uh, said he would pull her over. Defendant now insists this was a joke. Defendant said, I'll be waiting 285. You in the what? And it says SIC car, white car. Leva never responded. So. It was a joke, says the sued officer, except that he did exactly that later that evening. Pulled her over. Hey. Anyway, 
Um, defendant said, I don't need to see that. Just seeing you is enough. Defendant claims he pulled Leva over as a joke between friends. Uh, no. No, it's an abuse of your power. Uh, it's abuse of your authority. Pulling anybody over outside of the context of either a a state-sponsored program where good drivers get pulled over and rewarded with a gift certificate for an ice cream um, or uh, they, the cop sacrifices their donuts willingly, whatever, but cops don't pe pull people over as a joke. Their job is not a joke. It isn't supposed to be frivolous. It isn't supposed to be relationship building. Yeah. There's only one reason for you to pull me over and it's because I've committed a crime of some kind or there's some moving violation for which I would qualify that as it wouldn't be a criminal, but it would be something that needs to be pulled over, right? So I got a broken taillight, write me a fix it ticket and I'll fix it the next day or as immediately as possible. Anyway, the article continues on, but um, ultimately, there's something that they coin as the most effed up thing about this. And by this, they mean qualified immunity. The officer admitted he violated Leva's rights, and yet the admission changed nothing about the qualified immunity discussion. The officer who knowingly violated rights was granted immunity by the lower court, despite having no better argument than, I bet you can't find a precedential case on point. <laughs> Well, I'm guessing there's going to be a change in the law. There's a loophole. So unfortunately, that's not how it works. Leva's survivors uh, had to spend more money appealing the lower court's horrendous decision, and they had to do this despite the officer knowing that he was in the wrong from the moment he decided to pull her over. She actually passed away while the lawsuit was pending, so any payout will be headed to those handling her estate. Can you imagine passing away with this on your shoulders because some D-bag cop decided that he was going to abuse their rights or their capabilities, their position? You know, that's a pretty horrible thing to have um, open <laughs> near yeah. the end. You'd like to think somebody goes away peacefully. I wouldn't say this normally, but man, I hope that she's haunting him right now. <laughs> You deserve it, dude. Um, I mean, it's harassment to me. In my in my mind, it it's akin to harassment. So um, I hope something falls out um, in her favor, or I should say, her estate's favor. So okay, so that's it for today. Um, this is Friday the thirteenth. So of course, we have a, a wonky series of articles. But when does hometown daily news not have a wonky? show again i am mayor watt uh this is hometown daily news show for friday the 13th uh, january 2023 and uh, the voice from on high have a good evening everyone and we'll see you tomorrow night bye bye